Do you see how every note has a different color? That happens when you play your violin. It happens when you sing. It happens when you hum. And when you're playing a melody, it is a cascade of reds and oranges and yellows and turquoises and greens. And, and when you're worshiping and the melody begins to soar, there's just like a covenant rainbow coming out of your mouth. This is the beauty of your God. This is the majesty of your God. This is the goodness of your God. And when you happen to gather on a Monday night or a Sunday morning and you begin to worship, you're not aware, but what comes out of your mouth is a covenant rainbow that is casting darkness off of the person sitting behind you and around you, and they're casting it off of you. That's why sometimes when we enter worship, we feel lighter. Thank you, Jim. But there are some principles in the kingdom like that that operate just because he's God. And his brilliance is beyond us. His intelligence is beyond us. And the goodness of him that has saturated the whole world with his glory. You are his light. And when you sing, light explodes out of your mouth. When you even hum in the shower, light, light, light. And when you play an instrument, light, light, light. And it doesn't matter whether you have perfect pitch or whether you can carry a tune. Sound releases light, light, light. Sometimes we have missed the majesty and the vastness of him. And sometimes perhaps we have underestimated his love. In Genesis, the father kneels, and he says, here, I will share my image. And of man and woman, he says, in my image, be. And he kneels, and he says, here, I will share my dominion, take authority and dominion, and bless this earth. And when man and woman rejected utter dependence upon God, he said, here, may I serve you? I will kill this animal, skin this animal. I will clothe you with garments, and I will exile myself from the garden. And I will wander in the wilderness with you. And in the simplicity of kneeling, Jesus comes again, for he says, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus kneels. And he says, here, I share my image with you. The works I've done, you go do greater works. Here, I share my dominion with you. And you know what? I will exile myself from earth because it's better that I leave so that the Holy Spirit may come. And the Holy Spirit comes, and like the Father and the Son, he kneels before us. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm here to serve you. 
May I reveal Jesus to you? May I empower you? May I release to you all that the Father has for you? And suddenly we see that the truth of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit is this beautiful kneeling, going, may we serve you, may we serve you, may we serve you, may we serve you. And yet, at the same time, as we just showed in the YouTube, he is the omnipotent, most high God who rules everything. If love and humility is the root of the omnipotent, all-powerful trinity, and we are graced by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for them to say to us in our image, be, do the works that we have done, then should we not seek to have the same root? Should we not seek that the root of all I am and all I do is love and humility? I grew up in a church that loved the word. And so we knew the Bible, we studied the Bible back and forth. And I remember very vividly as a teenager, sitting on my bed, and it was as if I found myself, if you will, and one hand was in Isaiah 14, which is the story of how pride caused the fallen angel of Lucifer to crumble, and my other hand was in Philippians 2, of how Jesus laid aside his godliness to serve. I didn't hear an audible voice. I just knew that I knew that I knew in my spirit that the Lord was saying, every day of your life, you're going to turn a page. And there are only two choices. You're either going closer to Isaiah 14 in pride and self-reliance, judging others, or you're going to go closer to Philippians 2. And that every day we're turning pages. And there really are no other choices. We're either heading this way, Isaiah 14, or we're heading this way, Philippians 2. I want to read from the Amplified, Philippians 2. May the word of God quicken us. Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Let Jesus be your example in humility, who although being one with God and in the form of God and possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, he did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. But Jesus stripped himself of all his privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant slave. And in that he became like men 
and he was born a human being. And after Jesus appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further, and he carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, because Jesus stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And then in the name of Jesus, every knee must bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue must frankly and openly confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, all to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear ones, Paul is writing, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now, not only with enthusiasm in my presence, but much more because I'm absent, work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal and fully complete your own salvation with reverence, with awe, trembling, with self-distrust and serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, and shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. You cannot do this in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and his satisfaction and his delight. Ephesians 2.4 But God, so rich is he in his mercy because of and in order to satisfy the great and the wonderful and the intense love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our sins. Jesus came out of the root of love. And when he became a baby, he became humility incarnate. Listen to the passages of John. John 5, 19. Jesus is talking in all of these. The son can do nothing by himself. 541. I do not accept praise from men. Chapter 6, verse 30. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will. 7, verse 16. My teaching is not my own. 7, verse 28. I am not here on my own. 8.28, I can do nothing on my own. 8.42, I've not come on my own, but he sent me. And 8.50, I'm not seeking glory for myself. John 14.10, the way the words I say are not my own. Matthew 11.29, come to me, learn of me, for I am gentle and I am humble. I am humble of heart. If love and humility is the root of how the Trinity has interacted with us 
and we are created in their image, and we are called to be bearers of Christ to the world, then love and humility must be our root. And it's the root, the only root, that fulfills his prayer in John 17, where we can be in oneness with him. And it's the only root that allows us to be in oneness with each other in the deep places. It's a journey. Paul let us know that. At the beginning, Paul says, I'm the chief among apostles, but he makes his journey, and he says, oh, I'm, I'm the worst among sinners, but by grace, look at what God has done in me, almost in spite of me. Look at God. I think when we talk about humility, we need our foundations healed sometimes. Because... Humility has nothing to do with you, and it has nothing to do with me. Being aware of your sin has nothing to do with humility. Being aware of your mistakes, your failures, feeling less than, lack of confidence, has nothing to do with humility. You can tell when humility comes from a religious spirit because it causes a slight separation between us and intimacy with the Lord. And you can tell when humility comes from a spirit of religion because it causes like a lack of confidence, holy confidence. And it causes this thing of either we are prideful and we judge others or we feel less than others, but we're just flip-flopping all around and, and consistent love and mercy and grace is a toughie. That's when you know humility is from a demonic religious spirit. I remember many years ago, my sister has had three children and, and had uh, three grandchildren. And we had taken them like to a fair. And her grandchildren, her three girls, two of them were itty-bitty, tiny, itsy-bitsy, petite, super skinny winning. You know what I mean? The third grandchild could have played fullback. Seriously, she was muscular, she was stocky, and they were about three and four at the time. Well, as we walked on, the kids got tired. Chelsea was the stocky one, so I picked Chelsea up, and I'm carrying Chelsea, carrying her for a while, and finally my sister innocently says this, Chelsea, you are too heavy for Susan to carry. Get down and walk. Chelsea put one hand, three, three years old, one hand on each side of my face. And she said, Susan, am I too heavy to love? Humility from a religious spirit makes you feel like you're heavy to love. And maybe you're not that lovable to other people, and maybe you mess up too much, and you're just kind of heavy for Jesus to love. But that's, that's not biblical humility. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit walked in humility. It, their humility wasn't birthed out of sin and shame and 
legalism and I need to do this and I should do this and oh, maybe I'm not doing enough of that. Biblical humility is birthed out of awe. Humility from a religious standpoint makes me look at me. And it's not very good. There's always more I got to do. Or maybe even though I did more, I didn't do it exactly right. And I'm hard to love. And Religious humility makes me look at me. Biblical humility. I am lost in awe of the majesty and the wonder of God. I am speechless at his goodness. My eyes are popping wide open to the goodness of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God and his love for me. Stunning, stunning, stunning heart of God that would love me. Religious humility. How could he love me? I'm such a wretch. I'm such a worm. And even after I'm saved, I'm still kind of wretchy and wormy. Biblical humility. I'm lost so much in the greatness of his love and the greatness of his faithfulness that it just lifts me out of me. And I become so convinced that his love, his steadfast love, endures forever. Religious spirit, submission, die to self, give up everything, do, 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 do. Biblical humility, submission. Father, I give you permission to love me all the ways you want. Empower me to receive all your love all the ways you want to love me. And I am transformed by the pouring in of his love. My mind, my thoughts are healed and aligned with his. My emotions are healed. My perspective on people, relationships, life, every situation is different because the one who loves me has gone before me. He has prepared good things for me. He didn't choose me to leave me floundering in a bunch of mud. He went ahead of me and to prepare a way, religious humility. I don't know if God's going to take care of me or not. i got to beg, 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 plead, plead, plead. Biblical humility. If you as earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more so does the Father who is in heaven? I rest in you, Father. You love me. There is no room in my heart for anxiety or fear or doubt. You are good. Biblical humility is seeing that it's a, forgive me, it's a no-brainer to utterly depend upon God for everything. It doesn't mean I'm going to sit in my house and I'm not going to work. I'm not going to do anything. It means I utterly depend upon him for 
the best thoughts and the decisions and emotions and relationships. And I'm listening for his voice. And I know that I know that I know because the Bible never lies. I know that I know he has prepared a path for me. And if I just love him and walk it, everything I need from wisdom to decisions to provision will come up and meet me. I don't have to over here. I'm spelunking down in the caves looking. Here, I know that I know that I know that I know. If I just get lost loving him, I will meet what he has prepared for me. In every realm, whether it's divine health, whether it's finances, whether it's healing, whether it's relationships, whatever. Over here, in a religious understanding, I got to know my call. What's my call? I don't have a call. I don't know what the purpose of my life is. Everybody else has a purpose in their life. I don't have a purpose in my life. I guess God doesn't have anything for me to do. Biblical humility. God has asked me. God has created me. God has called me to do two things and two things only. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love yourself and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And as I get lost loving whoever is in front of me and comes across my path, he will naturally lead me wherever he intends me to be. And the joy and the confidence that comes because biblical humility Praise the name is not about me. It's all about him. And it's all about resting in him, rejoicing. And, and you know how the scriptures work. The more I let love and humility be my root, the better I will love you and anybody else in my life. Because my heart gets healed over here. And living and loving the way Christ does can grow on us. It's a journey. It's a journey. And here faith becomes as easy as breathing. Because it's not about do I have faith. It's about how great he is. And I believe in his greatness and his faithfulness. It's all about him. Do you hear the difference, guys? Proverbs 22, 4. The reward for humility and the fear and the wonder of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. Hmm. One of you said. That's the word. Isaiah 66, 2. This is the one I respect. This is the one I admire. This is the one I look up to, saith the Lord. The one who is humble, contrite in heart, and trembles at my word. Psalm 149, 4. The Lord takes pleasure in his people and adorns them with salvation. 
Now, I'm going to exercise a female prerogative for about two seconds. I am not a, I'm not one of those classy women, you know, who really dresses up and all that jazz. I'm just pretty simple. But there's a big difference where over here I have on kind of a garment of salvation, but I'm going to heaven. But when I'm over here, I'm adorned with salvation. That means I have all the accoutrements of salvation. I have his wisdom. I have his heart. I have his spirit. I have his health. I have his love for other people. I have his visions, his prophecies. I have his discernment. I have oneness with him. I can step into the path he made for me, and I know the whole time he adorned me. There was nothing I did to adorn myself. And it's all about him. I also know that when you're talking about heart matters, I've been in the ministry for 46 years. I made a lot of mistakes, grown a lot, learned a lot, but there's one thing that I know, that with messages of revelation like this that can change your foundation, it's not someone teaching that changes you. It's not your effort, effort that changes it. It's only if each individual heart is open to the indwelling Christ saying, would you please cleanse me of anything I have thought or believed that hinders me from walking here in the fullness of Scripture? That it's just something between an individual person and the Spirit. His goodness is always working on our behalf, even if we can't see it. But it's a journey. If you're here, that's not condemnation. Probably 95% of us were here and had to do the walk of truth, the journey, just like Paul did. But the Word of God is so brilliant. It's so beyond our human understanding. It does take an entire lifetime here and in heaven to comprehend the majesty of the goodness of the Lord. And that we were saved by grace and nothing's changed. Everything else in the kingdom is grace as well. And yet because God is so good, goodness is always around us. It's hanging in the atmosphere. It's in every situation. There, I just, in this perspective of humility, I have a me lens. And everything that happens I view it as to how it affects me, hurts me, impacts me, stresses me. Now what else do I have to do? It affects me. I see it through my lens. When I am in the process, when I'm making the journey to biblical humility, I see everything through the lens of, you're not surprised by that, Father. You did not send it, but you're not surprised. And you were the one who has always made a way of escape Always. Here there is peace and confidence and an awareness. He carries the burden 
I'm the child. And I listen to his voice. I pray what he tells me to pray. I do what he tells me to do, and all will be well. Doesn't mean you don't have trauma and difficulties and pains in your life. We all have had them. Here there is hope. When you're stuck in this view of humility, heartaches and traumas leave a scar and leave a huge fingerprint on your personality and the way you react with people. Here, we cry, we get angry, we weep, we may not understand, we're traumatized, we're grieving, whatever, whatever. But there is a point here that like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the furnace without even the smell of smoke out of them, so do we. Here, Christ in us the hope of glory with the religious understanding of humility is a scripture for heaven. When I'm walking in biblical humility, Christ in me the hope of glory is what I'm stepping into and manifesting more day by day by day. Not by me, but by his power working in me. He is perfecting and beautifying his church. If you're here tonight, you're here because you want to enlarge your personal household of faith. You want to enlarge your dwelling place of God in you. Well, just like in the natural, you can't add another story to your house and you can't add another addition to your home if your foundation's cracked. And if you're going to add another addition to your home, you've got to expand your foundation. Dear ones, you're here because you're hungry for him. You're hungry for more of him in your life. You're hungry for him meeting you in the reality of your life. And you want to see the word of God manifest with every promise for you and your loved ones. And you want to see God move. For that, sweetheart, we've got to shake by the power of the Holy Spirit every religious understanding of humility out of us. Let the Spirit shake it, shake it free, and realize the love and the humility that so characterizes the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is available to us when our eyes are fixed on them. We extol them and we magnify them. And in biblical humility, our eyes are healed. And when we look at each other, we just see the glory in each other. We don't see each other's faults. And we don't get easily offended. And we, we, we're just different hearted. And it's, it's a journey. Psalm 43.3. Oh, Lord. Send out your light and your truth. Bring me, carry me to your holy hill. Bring me, carry me to your personal dwelling place. And I will go to the altar of the one who is my exceeding great joy. And I will praise him.
tonight. We all want to go deeper in the pathway of biblical love and humility. You're here because you want deeper oneness with him.